Good morning. How you doing today? Hey, it's good to see you in this rainy Sunday morning. How many are thankful for rain today? We need the rain. Just a minute, we're going to turn and begin in Acts chapter 2. We're going to use the verse we've been using all of this year. Then a little bit later, I'm going to Romans chapter 6. If you want to get a head start turning there. Uh, I just want to welcome you today. So glad that you're here. I had a thought this morning. Aren't, aren't people interesting? I'm not talking about you and your spouse. I don't want to get you in trouble. But look, just look around. Aren't people interesting? We, we pray and we pray, oh, God, give us rain. Oh, God, give us rain. And then some folks are like, oh, my God, it's raining. I need to stay home today. Oh, I know some of you at home, your streets are flooded. You can't get out. You're wondering if this is ever going to end. Uh, it's it's going to end, okay? Just glad you joined us today as well. Uh, if you don't know... Uh, I'm Pastor Gary. I have the gift of sarcasm, so that's how I need to open my messages sometimes. We're talking about being devoted. That's our theme for this month and really to launch us into this year. Devoted. And we're talking about four principles that Scripture says we need to be devoted to. And you say, well, why are we doing this? Why aren't we taking a whole month talking about being devoted based on this one verse? It's because... If you will devote yourself to these four things, it'll make your life better. So we're not doing this for our benefit. It's for the benefit of every believer. Things that will make life better. Last week, Pastor Zach talked about teaching, the apostles' doctrine, the importance of that. I'm going to play off of that a little bit today, but I'm going to talk more specifically today about fellowship. Fellowship is an interesting word. We don't use it a lot in our English language and in everyday life. But yet, scriptural fellowship is so important, and I'm going to lay the foundation for it today and show it to you from scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 2, where we're reading from, we're talking about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out and the church is really born. On that day, 3,000 people heard Peter preach a message. And they responded and said, we believe, what do we do now? Peter said two things, basically. He said, repent, which means turn from an old life to a new life. You turn away from one thing, but you turn to something else. So repent, and then he said, be baptized, which we understand to be baptized in water. Now, I'm not going to go back and read all the scriptures and walk through that, because we've already covered it in this series But then you say, okay, so they turn from the old life, they turn to this new life, and they not only repent and turn, but they're baptized in water. What did they do next? What did they do next? See, some of you have come to Christ and said, I believe, I need a Savior. I put my faith in Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. I've been baptized in water. And if you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be baptized in water. It is something we do in obedience, but it's also an experience that God works in our lives. So then after they're baptized, they're like, okay, well, what do I do next? A lot of us have had that question. What do we do next? Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued steadfastly. One translation we've been reading says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. We're talking about four things, and last week it was indeed the apostles' teaching doctrine. Today it's fellowship. 
You see, these new believers had received Christ as their Savior. They're beginning a new life in Christ. So now they need to learn how to live that new life. What is this new life about? A short little thought. I think the church world as a whole, at least in my lifetime, hasn't always done a good job of explaining the importance of learning about this new life. See, God didn't just save you to put you on the shelf and say, okay, when you die or when Jesus comes at that time, then you can begin to figure out what life is all about. Life begins when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we step into this new life. And I'm going to show you from Scripture. Because the first thing I want you to see today is when we accept Christ, one of the first things we understand is there is the old and then there's the new. These people on the day of Pentecost, as soon as they responded, they said, okay, what do we do? What do we do? They recognized there's been an old life and an old way of thinking. Now, here's this new life and a new way of thinking. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, when Christ becomes my Savior, he wants me to know, and he wants you to know today, that things are going to change. Things are going to be brand new. You have a brand new start in God, but you need to understand what this new life is about. See, one of the reasons why we do this on Sunday morning is to teach about the new life in Christ and how to walk out this new life. But I want you to notice this morning in Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read four verses there. Because there's old and there's new. The first thing is there's this old life and there's this new life. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6 verse 1. He's talking in context about, okay, this is the way you used to live. You lived in sin, then you come to Christ and you realize things are different now. Here's what he says in Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, he asks this question. He says, this is how we used to live. We come to Christ. He forgives us of the past. Well, what do we do? Just carry Christ back into the old life and keep living like we used to do? Is that what we do now? And we're going to live in the old life and never see anything new and just hope that his grace covers all of my sin and foolishness? Next verse, too, he says, certainly not. No way. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse 3, now notice this. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Look here, because maybe some of you haven't had this teaching before. When we are baptized in water, we are baptized into Christ. When we go under that water, we identify with his death. That just as he died for sin, we choose to die to sin, and we've decided we don't want to live that old life any longer. And then, how many of you are grateful that after they dunk you in the water, they pull you up out of the water? Now, I won't tell that story. I don't have time. Look at verse... Okay, you asked for it. It's your fault. When I was 31 years old, I started pastoring my first church. 
The first time we ever had baptismal services was after church, and we had a little platform and a tank, a hole in the wall. We had a tank. We'd go behind the platform, go up in there, baptize people. There was a lady in the church who was about five times my size. I had no problem getting her under the water. But you should have seen the hilarious moment of me trying to get her out of the water. It was amazing. It was an amazing time. But I learned the first time I did baptisms that it's really important after you put somebody under, you got to get them back up. We're glad for that. Now notice what he says next. Verse 4. Therefore, therefore, he brings a conclusion. We were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. I come up out of that water and I say, okay, I've identified with Christ. My past is gone. Now, I'm going to follow Jesus and learn to live this new life. That's what happens in Acts 2.42. They begin to live this new life. So let me ask a simple question this morning. When you accept Christ as your Savior, what do you know about life? Well, all you know about life is the old life. The way you used to live. And see, a lot of us say, okay, uh, I received this Savior. Now I, don't, I really don't know what's next, so I'm just going to go back to living and see what happens. No, that's the wrong thought. The thought is, how do I learn to live this new life? Now, for just one minute, let me go a little bit deeper. When we come to Christ, there are a couple things we recognize real quickly. Number one, by God's standards... Our lives are out of order. We've lived with wrong order. We've lived with wrong rules and regulations. Our thinking does not align with God's thinking. And God wants to change that. The second thing we understand is that there are things within us that are broken. They're misformed. And our emotions and our wounds are attached to our brokenness. And now all of a sudden, God begins to work to heal us and to make us whole. And we got to figure out, how do I navigate and start living this new life? Because the first thing he's going to do is change my thinking about a lot of things and begin to heal me from within so I feel and see life differently. You see, our fallen nature, our upbringing, our life experiences, so on and so forth, they put all this stuff within us. And then God has this work cut out for him to change us from the inside out. So God releases us from the old life so we can learn to live the new life that he gives us. Now let me give you one more thought about this before I move on. John 10.10, Jesus said, Satan, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what was happening in the old life. He was tearing up everything. Everything was deteriorating. Everything's falling apart. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have real life and you might have it more abundantly which literally means God's involvement, supernatural life, where God is involved in everything that we do. But we have to learn how to live that life. Paul refers to this same thing. But he's not only talking here in Ephesians chapter 4 about the old person that was the old life and the new life. He's talking about lifestyle. And he talks about how we used to live one way that really alienated us from God, but he said, you've not learned that about Christ. You've learned that life in Christ is different. 
And he said, here's what you got to do. <clears throat> you have to be willing to take off or put off the old man and like a garment, put on the new man. You've got to learn how to live this new life. So the, the next thing I want to talk about, it, this leads into our topic so strongly. When we enter into this new life, we need new influences and new influencers. We need new influences and new influencers. They were baptized after they repented. They said, okay, what do we do now? The next thing they did was they began to get the teaching of the apostles, the things that Jesus taught them, and then they began to watch the way the apostles lived to learn how do I apply God's word to my life? How does God's word shape my life? They devoted themselves to learning this new lifestyle. <clears throat> now, these new believers devoted themselves not only to a new life influence, not only a new way of thinking with the teaching, but they also said, okay, let's follow the example of the apostles, these church leaders. Let's learn how they do life. Let's talk about influencers for a minute. It's a really interesting word in today's society to be an influencer. There are all kinds of influencers out there. I mean, social media has got, media has, in a general has got all kinds of influencers. And what do influencers do? Influencers try to teach us to do something we haven't done before. They try to influence us in a direction and in a lifestyle. And it's really interesting. I, I was thinking about this this week. It doesn't surprise me that people are looking for attention. Does it you? I mean, people have always looked for attention. That doesn't surprise me. But what surprises me is that some people will search endlessly, even into the unknown world of the online experience, for strangers to influence their lives. So i got to ask you a question today. Who are your influencers? Who is influencing your lifestyle? When you get up in the morning, do you go directly to Instagram and look at so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? I'm not saying that's evil. There's some evil out there. But my question is, who do you look to to influence your life? Or let me say it this way. Who do you want to be like? This is good. Making you think today. Who do you really want to be like? You know, I, I remember when I was 19 years of age and I totally committed my life to God and said, okay, God, here's all of it, whatever you want from me. And God began to deal with my heart about ministry. Now, now you got to remember, I, I've shared some of this before, but you got to remember, I was raised in church and I was a pretty good kid. I did still have the gift of sarcasm back then, but I was a good kid. I was a little bit ornery, and I won't tell you stories today, but, but I was a good kid, and I learned all the rules, all the regulations, and for the most part, the rules that made sense to me, I was following. The ones I didn't really understand, I struggled with, okay? That's just how I'm wired. So I was a pretty good kid. But when God began to call me to ministry, it was a struggle. 
Because I wasn't raised in a minister's home. Are you listening to me? I knew how to act like a Christian. But I sure didn't know how to be a preacher, a pastor, spiritual leader. I didn't know how to do that. And yet God put this in my heart and said, this is what I want to do with your life. I laid down some other things that I was pursuing, put it behind me and said, okay, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to go in this direction. But immediately I recognized a couple things. Number one, there were some friends in my life who were influencers who were trying to pull me in the wrong direction. You say, well, you're just 19 or 20. Yeah, I was. But I still realized at a young age, some of my buddies, who today are still dear friends of mine, some of my buddies didn't have the same calling. They didn't have the same heart. They were still trying to live by the rules and get saved every Sunday because they broke the rules during the week, if you understand what I'm saying. And, and, and I realized pretty quickly, I have to make a little bit of space and stop allowing those guys to influence my life because the more I hung with them, the more I acted like them. So I began to adjust my life. And there were other people that God began to put in my life who were in ministry, young men, slightly older ministers, God put in my life and I began to hang out with them and fellowship with them because I knew if I'm going to pursue God's calling, I've got to figure out how to do this and I need godly influence in my life. So here I am, 19 years of age, maybe about 20 at the time. And I, I had this spiritual experience with God out on the golf course. You, you say, why do you play golf? Because you have spiritual experiences on the golf course. <clears throat> I just love to play golf. So I'm, I'm out one day with a group of ministers. One's my age, the other two are a little older. I'm out one day with these ministers. And like I said, I had the gift of sarcasm back then. So this one pastor who's probably 10 years older, he's getting ready to hit the ball. And just as he gets ready to hit, he, he, he asks a question. And he gets ready to hit. And as he's about to start his backswing, I gave him a sarcastic answer. And everybody in the group began to laugh except him. He stops and looks at me. And he gets fire in his eyes. And he says, Gary Martin... You are so ornery, it wouldn't surprise me if God calls you to preach. <laughs> and it was like God was speaking to me because I'd been wrestling saying, God, if I'm going to do this, you've got to confirm it somewhere. I've got to know it's not just something crazy. And here on a golf course with me being a smart aleck, this pastor calls me out and just reads my mail. And I walked away from the tee, just walked off to the side, and I was almost in tears. Thought, wow. Wow, wow. You never know what will happen in your life when you get around people who are walking with God. You never know. You never know what God will drop in your life. So I begin to learn, if I'm going to go in this direction, i got to get around influencers who can pull me in the right direction. Now, I'm going to refer to this quickly, and I'm not going to make more of it than what's there, but 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 Paul writes this principle, and he says, one of the things we have to learn as believers is the old life is dark, the new life is light. Back there, it's death. Over here, it's life. And he said, darkness and light don't have fellowship. They can't be together. 
They can't be together. One will overcome the other. Darkness and light don't hang together. He said it's the same way with righteousness and ungodliness. And he makes this statement. He said, don't get unequally yoked together in relationships that pull you in the wrong direction. Now, we, we apply that to a lot of things. Generally, we start with marriage because marriage is a yoking of two people's lives. It's not just that. When we get into relationships that influence us and pull us in a direction, Paul said, avoid relationships that take you back into darkness because God's called you to live in light. Friend, hear me today. I have friends since my childhood that are still good buddies today. But there came a point in time when I had to decide, if they want to follow me, they can follow me, but I'm not going to follow them. And here's the old adage. You show me your friends, and I'll tell you what your future's going to be. Because they're going to pull you in that direction, and at the, at the very least, they're going to cause you to compromise on how God's called us to live. Now, Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to turn there for just a moment. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn there. We'll have the verses on the screen. But before I go to the last part of my message, I want to show you this. Every one of us needs the influence of godly people. Every one of us. We need the influence of godly people. In the scriptures, in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and fellowship which means the teaching and the lifestyle. They needed to learn how to live out their faith. And you learn it from godly people. Now, here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, remember, he's writing a letter. I thank God every time I think of you. Always, in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. I'm praying for you. And I'm thankful, look at verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, pause here just a moment. We're going to get into fellowship in just a few minutes and really define it. But Paul says, I'm thankful that we have had this fellowship. He's writing to a church in Philippi where he went and took the gospel. He's not talking to the spiritual leaders in Jerusalem who started the church. He's talking to Gentiles, if you will, who've converted and come to Christ. Notice what he says. Verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We need godly fellowship because godly fellowship will facilitate God doing new things in our lives. Friend, I'm not doing this today. We're not doing this series to put pressure and put you in a box. We're doing this to liberate you into this new life in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do is making a little space with wrong relationships. But you'll be amazed how your life will change and grow and become so much better when you begin to build relationships with godly people and they begin to influence your life. Changes everything. He said, God has begun a good work. You get it? He's begun. You've come out of darkness into light. Now he says, stay on the journey and you will learn. 
You know, I, I, I preached this the last Sunday of last year talking about stepping out into the deep. The deep's unknown. It's mysterious. And we come into this new life and say, well, I don't really understand it. I know. That's why we want to teach you and get you around people who've got a handle on it so they can help us all grow. That's the intent of fellowship. He says in verse 7, just as it is right for me to think, of, to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, notice this, you are all partakers with me of grace. We've all partaken of grace. We're living in grace. So we need to learn from each other how do we keep living in grace? How do we enjoy God's blessings every area of our life? So I come to the last part of this message. And I know I've really spent this time setting this up. The next few minutes, I want to talk about fellowship. I want to help you understand what fellowship is. I want us to really define fellowship. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to fellowship. We'll give you four words that will help you understand fellowship. Number one, it's communion. It's a new kind of relationship. In his epistle, 1 John chapter 1, John wrote these words. He said, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. What he's saying is when believers get together and then we claim the name of Jesus, God shows up in that relationship. And when God shows up, God begins to do God-like Things He begins to use me to speak to you. He begins to use you to speak to me. We encourage each other and we move forward together. Jesus said, if two or three are gathered in my name, I'll show up. I will be there in their midst. I'll be right in the middle of their fellowship, their conversation. So it's communion. It's a different kind of relationship. Can I tell you something today? You won't find this kind of communion in the darkness. You won't find it. It's not about this. It's about this. It's a different kind of communion. The second word is the word communication. Now, when you look at the word fellowship in Scripture, all these words are tied into its definition if you look at the root root words. Communion and then communication. One of the best things you can do to grow is to talk with somebody who's been walking with God a little longer than you. You know, I think sometimes we get intimidated. It's like man, I don't know anything, and I get around these people, and they know so much, I feel so stupid. Don't feel stupid. Draw from what they know and learn, and it'll cause you to grow. It's the milk of the word. It's the milk of the word. It causes us to grow. You know, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews is telling us we need to hold on to our hope and our faith and not waver. But he said in order to do this, Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's not forget that we need to be hanging with God's people because they're going to encourage us and we're going to encourage them and we all grow together. We need to talk. We need to listen. We need to be sharing. And then what comes out of this is when you start talking with a brother or sister and we begin to talk about life and how we walk with Jesus, what comes out of this conversation is somebody will stop and say, let me pray for you today. I just want to pray for you. You know what happens when believers pray? God answers prayer. 
well, I'm going to go to church and get the pastor to pray for me. No, you don't. You can pray for another person. Another person can pray for you. When we have fellowship and we open up our lives, we begin to pray common prayers and God begins to answer those prayers. That's how he works. The third word, and I'm going to use two words here. It's contribution, contributing. And the contribution leads to a distribution. And let me simplify it and say it this way. It's giving and receiving. You see, in a fellowship setting, everyone has something to give. If I say to you, man, you, you, you need to meet some Christian friends and hang out. You say, why? Because you've got something to give. Oh, not me. Yes, you do. You don't know it yet, but once you start communicating and open your life, you have something to give. And a part of fellowship is giving what you have to give. I promise you, when you get with other believers, when you share your heart, you will share something that sparks something somewhere else, and then they will share with you, and it just keeps going back and forth, and we cause each other to draw closer to God and grow in our faith. I have some wonderful friends today who are ministry friends, pastors, uh, traveling ministers, guys who preach all over the world. And every chance I get, I go hang out with my pastor friends. And a lot of it happens on the golf course. I don't know what it is about golf. I think because when we think we're really great and we're somebody special, God says, well, go to the golf course. I'll show you how great you are. <laughs> we learn real quickly. I guess I'm not as great as I thought I was. Right, Pastor Corey? <laughs> um, But you see, we're always learning from our fellowship. Now, I've been on the golf course with a group of pastor friends, and I got a group I play with all the time. You know, once, twice a month, we get together from all directions, we play golf together. We laugh, we talk about life, we talk about ministry, and sometimes one of us is going through something, and the other guys will just stop and pray for us. I've seen some pretty cool ministry happen on the golf course. But it's because people of faith and maturity, when you talk to them and you open your life, they will share things that will cause you to grow. I need it. You know, it's no secret. I made a big deal of it. On my 70th birthday, I even got up here and sang. And yes, I've heard all the requests for albums and so forth. But... Uh, <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, when are you going to sing again? I said, my 71st birthday. So it'll be a few months. I won't tell you in advance because some of you won't show up, but I, I will. But here's the thing. We contribute and then we distribute to people in need. One of the cool things that happens in our church is we have these things that we call connect groups. We hear stories all the time about how people contribute and then we distribute it to those in need to those in the group so and so's having problems so and so's sick so and so struggling with this and the rest of the group the rest of those friends from fellowship come together and reach out to meet the needs of the, that person in need happens all the time but you don't get that if you're not in fellowship as a matter of fact let me go one step further when we start these connect groups, one of the groups we have is one called The Walk. 
And, you know, we've got men's groups, women's groups, special interest groups, got all kinds of groups. We've got young adult groups. Uh, the youth even do a group during second service on Sunday morning. We've got all these connect groups. Some are special interests. Some are very general. But here's the thing. In this group, the walk, you say, well, I'm new to faith. I don't even know where to start. Get involved in the walk. When we launch groups again, go to the, well, but I don't like being the newbie. You'll be the newbie one time. Then you're just part of the group. Get over yourself, okay? They're not just new to you. You're new to them. Works both ways, okay? After the first time, you're not a newbie anymore. All of a sudden, you're part of the group, and we fellowship together. We give. We receive. And the last word, the last word is the word participation. You can't have fellowship unless you participate. So I got to ask you today, are you participating? Are you participating? Are you taking this new life seriously? See, when it says they continued steadfastly or they devoted themselves in Acts chapter 2, when they devoted themselves, that phrase really means they were sincere, they were diligent, They were committed. They were teachable. They were consistent. They realized, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life. You know, Hebrews gives us a passage of scripture that at the end of chapter 5 that says, we need to keep growing in Christ because there comes a point in time where we need to be teaching those who are coming along behind us. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time, and there are a lot of people who are coming behind you. You need to position yourself in a place of fellowship where you can help those people learn who they can become in Christ. And some of us are newer believers. We need to position ourselves and participate in fellowship so we can keep growing and live this new life. I want to pray for you today. My time is gone. First of all, maybe, maybe you're here today. and Maybe you've never committed your life to God because it's just so intimidating. Man, I don't know what this is all about. I don't know where to begin. This is where you begin, with teaching and fellowship. You turn from the old life. You turn to the new life. You begin to learn about the new life and start living it. That's where it begins. While your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you've never really opened your heart and said, God, I'm in. Maybe in your heart you know God's out there and you really do believe he gave his son for you, but you just don't know how to walk this thing out. And it intimidates you and you step back and say, I'm not sure how to do it. We want to help you with that. Today I want to lead you in a prayer that will open up the door and you'll realize I want to follow Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to Just as I pray this prayer, wrap your heart around these words and let them be your words. Make the decision to start your journey with God today into this new life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you're knocking on my heart today and I realize it's time to come to you. I realize I've been living in darkness. I've seen the light and I want to come to you. I need Jesus to be my Savior. And I need to learn to make him the Lord of my life. God, I want your blessings. So I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me that I've rebelled against you and gone my own way. Forgive me that I've lived a life in darkness. 
But now I come to the light. I want to follow you. So I ask you to forgive me and accept me today. Father, I pray today that you would lead me into relationships that will help me learn your ways so I can begin to grow. Do new things in my life. Help me learn about this new life. Help me step into it. Give me the boldness to turn and walk away from the old life and to follow you completely. As I learn about you, I'll draw closer to you. From this day forward, you are my father. I'm your child. Lead me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. While heads are still bowed, Father, for everybody in this house, we've shared your word today. Now open up our hearts. Open up our hearts for fellowship and teaching so we can learn to follow you. Whatever stands in our way, whatever we have in our mind that keeps us from fellowshipping in this new life with other believers, move it out of the way. Help us see the importance. and Give us the will and desire to devote ourselves to getting into the spiritual water and letting you work in our lives. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. If you prayed that first prayer today and you committed your life to Christ, maybe the first time, maybe you've just been on the run trying to figure stuff out, but you realize, I've got to get serious about this. We want to help you in your journey. We've got a little gift we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple little booklet, a little bit of reading the next week to get you started in your journey of faith. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you, no strings attached. If you've got questions or you want prayer, they will pray with you. But please, please, please give them an opportunity to help you today. If you're in a big rush, out in the lobby at the Info Center, you can stop by there and ask for the booklet the next seven days. If you don't know, if you can't remember the name, just say the booklet that the pastor talked about. They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. We want to simply help you get started walking with God. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? God bless you. In closing today, as we do every week, we always worship God with our giving. We, we do it differently than we used to, uh, but there are a number of ways you can give. If you're here in the house today and you want to give a physical gift, there are envelopes on the chairs. There are giving stations on each side of the exit doors as you, as you leave the auditorium. However you choose to give, I want to say thank you today for honoring God with your finances. God's been good to you. Bless him as he's asked in his word. We do that. We do it as worship. We do it as thanks to God. We also do it in obedience. And God continues to bless our lives and bless our church. We just want to say thank you so much. Hey, it's been good to be in church with you today. Be devoted to fellowship. God bless you. We love you. Have a great, great week.